our entire being is fashioned as an instrument of praise. An instrument maker refines each string, each curve of wood, to produce a sound of perfection. God has tailor-made our bodies, our souls, and our spirits to harmonize and produce pleasing expressions of praise and worship. our bodies to express praise all that's within us is made visible hallowed be thy name where did these words first come these were the words that Jesus said to his disciples when he was teaching on prayer. In Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, when you pray and when you look to God, don't just go out in public where everyone can hear you, but go in private and say these words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's say that together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, when I first read this and, and first started studying this, as a kid, I had no clue what the word Hollywood meant. Anyone else out there like, that didn't grow up in King James land, I didn't know what Hollywood meant. I had to understand, I was like, what is Hollywood? What is Hollywood? And uh, I got to the research. Here's what the definition is. Here's what Hollywood means. It means to greatly revere, to honor, to treat as sacred and holy, respectful to worship. So what Jesus was saying here is let your name be worshiped. This month, we're gonna take some time to worship God. We're gonna take some time to really define what worship looks like, why we worship, how we worship, when we worship, where we worship, what are the benefits of worship, what are the results of worship. Can I just tell you, church, we were created to worship. Psalm 150, verse six says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But in order for us to worship, we've got to know what we're worshiping, who we're worshiping, what is it about his name that is meant to be so hollowed, revered, uh, uh, worshiped, respected. Have you ever had something that you just really, really liked, something that was really valuable to you, that, that maybe it was your boat, or your shoes, or your car, or your guitar, or maybe it was uh, uh, something that you just were like, no one can have these, I am keeping this all to myself, you can't touch it, this is valuable to me. For me and my brother, by the way, my brother's birthday is today, brother John. Happy birthday, John. My brother and I and AJ down here on the front row, we used to have a lawn mowing business. And uh, when we were teenagers, we would get in my brother's geo tracker, which was legit. And, uh, it was the, and it had lightning stripes on the side. 
John had the coolest car in the parking lot at the school. And uh, we would get into his geo tracker. We'd pack it. We'd have to fold down our lawn mowers. We had the push mowers. We didn't have none of those riding mowers. Like we had to work hard to mow our yards. And we were out there hustling, trying to get clientele. We were posting up posters in the neighborhood. And there was this one guy and we thought, man, if we could get his neighborhood, if we could get his house, we could possibly get his neighborhood. And it was a good neighborhood. It was you know, a bunch of yards, wealthy people. We were thinking, we can mow their yards and then our business will grow and, and, uh, and, and we'll succeed. And so we started talking to this guy, he went to our church and we were like, hey, let us mow your yard. If you like it, you can pay us. If you don't, you don't have to pay us. We'll never mow your yard again. But if you like it and you pay us, you can keep us mowing your yard, tell your friends, your neighbors. So he's like, I'll give you a chance. He was going overseas out of the country and he said, now I really like my yard. I have done well to protect my grass. This is holy ground. This is good ground. Like he really, he was obsessed with his yard and it was a nice yard. We're talking like thick, green, lush grass. He had very well kept taking care of, uh, of his yard and so he said, here's what I want you to do. He called me and I said, how do you want us to mow the yard? So. I took his, his words, and, and John and AJ, we all pulled up to his yard. We're getting ready to mow it. They said, what did he say? How does he want us to mow it? I said, I'm pretty positive that he told me to scalp his yard. I'm, I'm positive that those were the words he said, scalp my yard. And they were like, no one's ever told us to do that before. That doesn't sound right. He's got really nice grass. I said, I think he wants to get rid of it. I'm pretty sure he's going to get new grass, and he wants us to scalp it. So we lowered our lawnmowers down to the lowest setting. <laughs> we got our weed eaters out, and man, we scalped that yard. Night. Like, we got all the way down to the dirt. There was no lush grass left. We were like, man, we killed that grass, like, legit. And uh, this neighbor comes walking over. We're like 85% done, and he's holding his head. He's like, oh, my, he's going to kill you. You ruined his yard. He's cussing at us. And, and we're like, what's wrong? He told us to do this. He's like, he would never have told you to do this. I'm calling him right now. And we're like, he's overseas. I don't care. I'm calling him. He calls him. He gets him on the phone. The man is livid. Needless to say, we didn't get paid. He left the church. We never got to mow his yard again. And this is what he said. He said, Paul, I told you, whatever you do, don't scalp the yard. I said, I thought you told me whatever you do, scalp the yard. He's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> the main point of this is that this man really cared about his grass and we ruined it. Like we messed it up. For Jesus, he so cared about his father's name that he didn't want anyone to treat it casually or commonly. He didn't want anyone to disrespect his father's name. He said, when you speak the name of my father, I want you to hallow it. I want you to reverence it. It's not meant to be used as a curse word. It's not meant to be taken lightly. This is no name to just treat as common. This is meant to be holy and sacred. The name of God is special. See, something happens when we worship the name of God. There's nothing you worship on this earth that can bring more satisfaction than worshiping God himself. There's nothing else. C.S. Lewis said that we were hardwired for worship, that you and I, we like to worship. People love to praise things. They'll praise the countryside. They'll praise their favorite coffee. Uh, coffee. They'll praise their favorite restaurants. And, and lovers will praise each other. Romeo and Juliet, Juliet towards Romeo. That we enjoy praising things. And here's what he said. I think that the delight is incomplete until we express the praise. We delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes 
the enjoyment. In other words, praise is meant to accompany what you enjoy. How many were here the week that I talked about a restaurant that I really liked and I told you you have to come up and ask me if you wanna know the name of it? Yeah, I enjoyed telling you about this restaurant. Now I found out people didn't like it as much as I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) To each his own, but the main point is when you enjoy something, you wanna talk about it. For me, I love telling my wife how much I love her, how beautiful she is. I love to tell those that I, that I uh, uh, am close to, I like to appreciate them, expressing my gratitude. Why? Because what you enjoy is not complete until you express the praise about it. When you go on vacation, you wanna post a picture about that beach. You don't wanna keep it secret. You wanna go, man, I had an awesome vacation. When you find a waterfall or some beautiful thing that you, you, you loved it so much, you wanna tell people about it. And C.S. Lewis said, we find our satisfaction by expressing our praise about the things that we enjoy. So when God commands our praise, it's not that he's some narcissistic, prideful God begging for our approval. It's that God knows we already love to praise and that our satisfaction comes from praise. And God knows there's nothing in this world that we praise that can satisfy us more than him. So when we praise him, we find more satisfaction than praising anything else because in him we live and move and have our being. This this weekend is Independence Day weekend, July 4th, 1776. 13 colonies separated from Great Britain. We became the United States of America. We made our own flag. We made our own songs. We have our own pledge. We stand and we pledge allegiance. What are we doing? We are praising our country. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what God's saying is that there's nothing you praise on this earth, even your favorite place, even the country where you have found freedom, there's nothing that will quite satisfy you than praising the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise. Come on, just give him praise this morning. There's joy in praising our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Paul says in Philippians chapter two that Jesus was given the name that's above every name. Let's talk about the name that we're called to hollow. That at that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. This is Philippians two, verse nine through 11. That every tongue confess, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Did you know that Jesus encompasses every name of God? In the Bible, there's, there's specific names that are given to God. In fact, the Old Testament is a compilation of stories where God showed up and showed out and helped people and names were given to the nature of God. Jesus encompasses every one of the names that God was given. Let's talk about some of the names that God was given. One of the names that was given to God was Elohim. This name was given to God as the creative, powerful God. This name was given when he created the universe, Elohim. He breathes something out of nothing. He makes something out of nothing. He is a creative God. When we learn these names of God, Psalms 9 verse 10 says that those who know his name are able to trust in him. Those who know the name of God put their trust in him. We're going to go through the names of God because the more we know his name, the more we'll trust in him. The more we know the name of God, the less we worry about our future. The more we know the name of God, the less attached we are to the materials of this life. The more we know the name of God, the more compassionate we are. The more we know the name of God, the more we love one another. 
So this morning, let's study his name just for a moment. Let's, let's tap into a teaching moment here and let's look at the names of God. Elohim, the creative, powerful God. Jehovah, the living God, the eternally existent who possesses life itself. Yahweh is I am. In other words, God is not I was, he's not I will be once you get your act together. God is a right now God. He loves you today. He is I am. He's the power in the present. He is El Shaddai, all sufficient, almighty one. He is Adonai, the owner of humanity, calling all people to complete devotion. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Now this name was given to God when Abraham was taking his son Isaac up to a mountain. This was the first worship service that happened in the Bible. Notice it wasn't in a temple. It, there was no musical instruments. There was no singing. It was a father and his son obeying God's commandment. Because worship is not just lip service. Worship is obedience. Worship is not just lip service. Worship is obedience. Abraham took his son Isaac and somebody stopped him and said, where are you going? What are you doing? Abraham had a knife and he had his son. And his son was gathering wood as they were going to the mountain. And Abraham said, me and my son are going to worship God. What was he doing? He was obeying God. As they got to the top of the mountain, he's getting ready to sacrifice his son. And out of the thicket comes this ram. And God said, I have provided the sacrifice. Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, my God has provided. So he got to keep the promise. God kept his promise. Isaac was spared. The ram became the sacrifice. See, I want to tell you today that we serve a God who's never late, He's never early, he's right on time, and he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider, our source. When you get to know his name, you start to trust in him. You stop worrying about how the finances are gonna come in because you remember, Hollywood be Jehovah Jireh, my provider is on my side. Jehovah Rapha means the Lord is my healer. He heals my entire body, my mind, my soul, and my spirit. It's not just healing of my body, but it's healing of my soul. He's your healer. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my victory. Did you know that one of God's names is victory? So when you come to this church, you're walking into one of God's names. You're walking into one of God's names. You're walking into, hey, victory. You could call God victory. That's one of his names, Nisi, the banner of victory. Why would we call God victory? Because he has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. How many could use some victory in your life this week? Come on. Jehovah Nisi. This is the name of God. Then Jehovah M. Kadesh. The Lord sanctifies me. In other words, I can't make myself holy, but God makes me holy. He sets me apart. He sanctifies me from the inside out. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. Anybody need peace this week? Like when you're watching the news and, and you're seeing things out there, we all need Jehovah Shalom. When we call on the name of the Lord, we receive all of the nature of who he is. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. The T is silent. <laughs> Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. Just a week and a half ago, I was in Rwanda, and uh, they were telling me that the Christians in Rwanda have a hard time accepting that their righteousness comes from God. 
They're convinced that they produce their own righteousness by their good deeds. How many chapters in the Bible they read, how many church services they've attended in the last year, whether they tithed or not, that they, they produce their own righteousness by doing good things. And I just wanna say today, in case that's someone's philosophy here, you cannot produce your own righteousness. You are either the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus or you are carrying around filthy rags, is what Isaiah said. Our righteousness doesn't make us righteous. We can't do it without God. The only way we get into heaven is through Jesus Christ. He died on the cross and he made you righteous. Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. I told them I was preaching to a group of pastors and I said, this last year I had my second baby boy, Beniah. When he came out, he was messy, man, and he looked weird, like alienish. Every baby does, don't give me that look. I know your babies did too. No baby comes out looking incredibly hot, okay? They all look a little strange. My baby comes out strange, but you know what? He's my baby. He gets my name. He becomes a Doherty the second he comes into this earth. He doesn't have to beg me, please, please, I promise I'll get my act together. I'll clean myself up. Daddy, I'll look better than this in a few weeks. Please, can I get your name? Can I get your name? No, even when he messes up now, even when he's dirty and I gotta change his diaper and he's screaming and he's doing all kinds of stuff, he still carries my name. You have received the name of righteousness because you are a child of God. No matter how many times he has to change your diaper, you're still his kid. Come on, somebody. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He cares compassionately for me. So when someone else that I'm putting all the pressure on isn't there for me, it's all good because the pressure is on my shepherd. He's always there for me. He cares compassionately for me. Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is my ever-present help in time of need. He's there for me. He's there for me. He's a present help. Jesus encompasses all of these names. So if you didn't take notes or you did take notes and you didn't get them all down, the good news is just call on the name of Jesus. He's everything that God is. He is the exact representation of the Father in heaven and he is available to us. So we hallow his name. We worship his name. I heard this story from Charles Spurgeon. He said that there was this woman who was hired to, to work for a very wealthy man in London. And she was a poor woman. She lived on the outskirts of London. And so she began to work for this older man and serve him. And the day came where he was on his deathbed. He was a very rich man, lived in one of the finest houses in London. And on the deathbed, he called this woman to him and he said, thank you for taking care of me. I didn't have any family or friends. I just wanna say thank you. And he gave her this little piece of white paper. She was so appreciative. She went home. She nailed that piece of paper up on the wall. Years went by, the man passed away. She lived in this small shack on the outskirts of London. One day, Charles Spurgeon came to her house, visiting and praying for her. After he got done praying for her, he said, ma'am, do you know what this piece of paper says? She began to tell him the story. I was hired to work for a very wealthy man. He didn't have any family or friends. Right before he died, he gave me that note. Charles said, do you know how to read? She said, no, I've never known how to read. He said, ma'am, that's a check for a lot of money. You could have been living in the finest house in London, eating the finest meals, 
wearing the finest clothes, all because she didn't know how to read. I think so many of us, we don't understand the power and the glorious inheritance in the name of Jesus that's been given to us. It's like we're like that woman. We've been given the Bible, but we leave it on the shelf and we forget the power that's inside the name of Jesus. We forget the glorious riches inside his name that when we're freaking out about finances, Jehovah Jireh is waiting for us to call on his name. That when we're freaking out about war and ISIS and terrorism, Jehovah Shalom is waiting for us to call on the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Do you know the power of his name? There was a man named Terry Law who's come and ministered at our church. He wrote a book about worship and worshiping God's name. He said, I didn't realize how much power the name of Jesus has until one day I was preaching in California and this crazy woman came up after church grabbing me and shaking me and, and she was yelling things at me. And he said, immediately I recognized it was a spirit of anger on this woman. There was some sort of demonic presence on this woman. She was tormented on the inside. He said, I spoke the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, foul spirit of anger come out of this woman. He said immediately she just froze and she sat down and he said her whole countenance changed. Her whole face changed. He said the demons know when you know the authority you have in the name of Jesus. They know when you know. They know when you don't know. He said, I didn't realize that woman was carrying a 22 caliber pistol in her purse and she told me I came to murder the pastor tonight. She said, I was so angry, I wanted to kill him. I had, I had the gun loaded, but when you spoke the name of Jesus, whatever was in me left. Some of us this week need to speak the name of Jesus over our apartments, over our houses, over our finances. We've allowed this demonic presence to try and get in, and there's been strife, there's been anger, there's been bitterness, there's been pride, there's been jealousy, comparison. When you speak the name of Jesus, every demon has to flee. Every demon has to flee. They bow at the name of Jesus. I was overseas and on a mission trip. I was actually in Dominican Republic. We're going back there in a couple weeks. But I remember one night we got confronted by these two robbers that came upon me and another guy and one of our team leaders. And we were out near the beach, but it was uh, rocky and there was cliffs. And they pulled us up to the cliffs and they wanted our backpacks. In my backpack, I had all our team's passports. So I wasn't about to give our backpack up. That was, that was our ticket out of the country. He said, give me your backpack. And I wouldn't give it to him. And he starts shaking me. And this cliff was about a 20-foot drop-off down into steep rocks. So we weren't near the sandy beach yet. We were still on the cliffside. He's about to throw me off. Well, me and my buddy, we start punching these guys and fighting back. I'm like, come on, get them, you know. And we're going like, I'm imagining all the action movies and Batman movies that I've seen. And I'm like, come on. Well, the girl beside me, she knew what to do. She said, Jesus! And when she shouted the name of Jesus, these two robbers, their eyes got huge. <gasps> and they started backing up. And they just took off running. And I said, that's right, that's right. We're gonna call the police on you. <gasps> I didn't get it. And then I got back home and I realized it was the name of Jesus. It wasn't my guns over here. It was the name of Jesus that drove these guys out. 
When you speak the name of Jesus, darkness has to flee. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. There's been an attack since the beginning of time against the name of God. There is no other God's name that is used as a cuss word except for Jesus. There is no cuss word attached to Mohammed. There is no curse word attached to Hare Krishna. There's no cuss word attached to the New Age gods. There's no cuss word for atheism because they have no gods. But for Christianity, for some reason, the cuss word language uses God, blank, then it has Jesus Christ. I mean, every negative slang word has been attached. Why? Because Satan knows there's power. And if he can get you to curse God, you will miss out on the blessings that God wants to bring in your life. Satan has known since, this is what, the book of Job falls right before Psalms in the Bible. The book of Job, it's a story about a man who really loses everything, but at the end of his life, he gets double for his trouble. But the, the point is that story actually historically happened more somewhere in the times of Genesis. It was somewhere after Satan had fallen from heaven that he begins to try and get Job to curse God. The whole point is trying to get Job to move from worshiping God to cursing God. If, if Satan can get you to stop worshiping God and begin cursing God, you'll miss out on who you're called to be and what you're called to do. You were created to worship. I want us just to take a few moments. We're gonna end service today looking at a lesson from Lucifer. I wanna give you a lesson from Lucifer because ultimately, Lucifer was an, a worshiping angel, but he turned into the devil. And we need to learn what caused this. What caused a worshiping angel to turn into the devil? He didn't have an honor for God's name. In Ezekiel 28, we see the story in verse 12 that Lucifer was this model of perfection. He was this perfect creature. He, he was made of musical instruments and jewels. In verse 15, it says that his perfection, his, his incredible splendor got to his head, that somewhere, some, some way along the road, evil was found on the inside of Lucifer. It wasn't that Lucifer was born with evil. It's that somewhere along the way, Lucifer decided, I think I should be worshiped instead of God being worshiped. I think that we should stop worshiping God and we should start worshiping us. Lucifer found pride on the inside of his heart. He became obsessed with how good he was, how pleasant he was, how talented he was. Verse 16, it says that there was pride found in his heart. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of your splendor. So I threw you to the ground. You see, what you don't turn into praise turns into pride. You were created to praise. You were raised to praise. You were created to worship. God delivered you out of the pit to give him praise. But when you forget where you came from, all of a sudden you start getting prideful thinking, man, I've come a long way. I've really made a great deal of myself. I've really started developing my gifts. And this goes for all of us, me included, that if we don't turn what we've done, our accomplishments into praise towards God, it will turn into pride. And pride is the first step towards exiting the presence of God. What happened to Lucifer? Number one, something that we can learn. When you refuse to worship God, you go down. Lucifer fell because of his pride. He refused to worship God and he was kicked 
out of heaven. I saw him as lightning falling from the sky is what God said. Like lightning. When you stop worshiping God, you set yourself up for a fall. Pride comes before a fall. When you stop, when you refuse to worship God, I don't want to worship God. It's not my style of music this Sunday. The lights are too dark. They're not singing my favorite song. I wish he was singing. I only worship when Pastor Sharon's up there. (laughs) Come on now. I love Pastor Sharon. She's awesome. But worship is not about a person here on this stage. Worship is not about the environment in the room. See, I was in Africa two weeks ago, and I watched 40 orphans get up on a stage, and they started worshiping. Glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns, he reigns. It's all God's children singing glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns, he reigns. They were singing with no musical instruments, no air conditioning in Africa. (laughs) Many of them had no shoes. Worship does not hinge on the songs that are being sung, on the air conditioning in the room, on who's singing the song. Worship is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about the room, it's not about the songs, it's not about the sound, it's not about the lights, it's not about the haze, it's about Jesus. And we can worship Jesus outside of 7700 South Lewis. We can worship Jesus any day. See, I wanna teach you this month that you can worship Jesus on Mondays. You want Monday motivation? Lift up the name of Jesus on Monday. You want some Monday, you want some practical tools? Man, Hollywood be the name of Jesus on Monday, not just on Sunday. Like glorify his name in the weight room. Glorify his name at your fitness place. Glorify his name in your company. You want your business to be blessed? You want your finances to take off? Just speak Jehovah Jireh over your company this week. Speak Jehovah Shalom in your bedroom this week where there's been all kinds of darkness. See, 1 Peter 2.9 says you've been delivered out of darkness. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. But here's what it's for. Here's why you've been delivered. So that you can shout the praises and the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He pulled you out to praise. You have not been created to critique worship services. You were not created to critique. You are not the judges on the voice. Deciding when you're going to turn the chair around. Deciding when you're going to hit the button. Oh, it's finally my song. Now I can stand up and praise. (laughs) How about you stand up before the songs even start? Come on, somebody. I don't need a a cheerleader. I I shouldn't have to act like a monkey to get you to praise. We shouldn't have to be acting like cheerleaders just to get you to pull your hands out of your pockets. Jesus deserves all the worship, all the glory, all the honor. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'm almost done. The opposite is also true. When you choose to worship, your life goes up. When you choose to worship, your life goes up. It's incredible. See, when the praises go up, his blessings come down. When the worship goes up, his favor comes down. There's a connection 
When you worship God, your life begins. See, Job worshiped his way out of misery. Instead of cursing God and dying, he worshiped towards seeing double for his trouble. Paul and Silas, they worshiped God out of the prison. Your worship paves the way for your breakthrough. The second thing we learned from Lucifer is when you refuse to worship, you become something you don't want to be. Lucifer was the chief angel worship leader, but when he refused to worship God, he became the devil. He wasn't born as the devil. It's when he refused to worship God. Band, I want you to come up as we get ready to close. Here's the point. When you stop worshiping God, you start believing the lies of the enemy. You start becoming someone, something you really don't wanna be. You stop listening to the truth of God and you start believing these lies, condemnation, shame, anger, guilt. Listen to this right here. Romans 1 verse 20 says that they exchanged God for these cheap figurines. They trivialized themselves, refusing to worship God. They acted like they knew it all. And refusing to worship God, they turned themselves into silliness and confusion. You wanna know where confusing lifestyles come from? You wanna know where confusing ideas come from, where you start becoming something that you swore to your parents you'd never be? That you swore to yourself, I'll never be that. I know better than that. It comes when you stop worshiping God. Because the second you stop worshiping God, you start soliciting worship for yourself. You start thinking, I know what's best for me. I know what's best. My ideas are more important than God's ideas. What I think about me and who I really am and what I wanna be is more important than what God wants me to be. The opposite is also true. When you choose to worship God, you become who God's called you to be. See, when you refuse to worship, you become silly and confused and, and, and you start doing things you, you wish you never would have done. But when you choose to worship God, you start becoming confident. You start becoming compassionate. You start becoming generous. You start becoming kind and sweet. Why? Because the more we worship God, the more we become like Jesus. Amen. What you worship, you start to turn into. When you worship you, you turn into something you really don't wanna be. But when you worship Him, Anything you don't turn into praise turns into pride. But when you begin to worship him, the pride goes, the jealousy goes, the comparison, the insecurities, what everyone else thinks. I love the way that David worshiped God. This month, we're gonna talk a little bit about David's life. But David was one of those guys that just got radical, worshiping Jesus, worshiping God. One day he was carrying the Ark of the Covenant and man, he was dancing, he was worshiping, he was getting wild for Jesus. Like he was just having a good time giving God praise and his wife was not liking it. She was so upset. She was like, you are embarrassing us. Stop this. And David was like, I got a message for you, honey. I wasn't thinking about you when I was worshiping. I was thinking about the one who delivered me out of the paw of the bear, out of the mouth of the lion, out of the spear of King Saul, who pulled me from the caves and from the pasture and put me in the palace. I was worshiping the King of Kings, the great I am, Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. Church, can I tell you something? I'm gonna get kind of crazy sometimes worshiping God because I like to worship Him. I like to worship him. I like to worship him. 
I didn't come to church to worship you. I came to worship God. So I really don't care what you think about me. I'll become even more undignified than this. Hallelujah! Lord, I love you. I worship you. You're amazing, God. Now, some of y'all that are new, you might be taken back going, man, these crazy Pentecostals, I'm getting out of here. But I don't want to be confined to a denomination. I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm a spirit-filled believer in Jesus who rescued me from the pit of despair. He's changed my life. He's healed my heart. He set me free. I don't deserve him, but he's good. And the more that I praise him, the less that I praise me. The more that I praise him, the less that I care about the things of this world. The more that I praise him, the more the depression starts to leave. I think God's looking for some Christians who will take the cool card out of their wallet, the swagger card. You're really not that swagger. You say, I can't really lift my hands by my girl because I just got to keep my swag. She doesn't think you're that swag anyways. You might as well just lift your hands. Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. We might as well stay standing. Here's the last point that we can learn from Lucifer. When Lucifer stopped worshiping God, a third of the angels followed him. You see, your worship, your posture influences other people around you. The next generation is watching dads. Your kids are watching moms. If you want the next generation to grow up like this during worship, just keep your hands in your pockets. If you want the next generation to grow up like this during worship, just do this during every song. But if you wanna, see, I don't think we can afford to lose a generation to dry, stale religion. I think we gotta lift, we gotta raise the roof. We gotta lift up a shout of praise. Hallelujah! He's worthy! He's worthy! He's worthy! When you praise God, others will follow. Others, this is exciting. We have a chance to pave the way for our kids and our grandkids to be passionate praisers. See, as long as we're breathing, as long as I'm here and, and you're here, I don't want us to be a lukewarm church. I, God's not coming back for a lukewarm church. I know sometimes we freak out guests, but I think guests are looking for something that's kind of crazy anyways. I don't think they're looking for a box cut church. Maybe they are looking for a church that's alive and radical and a little bit wild. But at the end of the day, ultimately, I wanna worship Jesus. And I wanna give him praise. When I was a kid in children's church, our children's pastor, he used to challenge the kids. We were in the maybe center and the kids would be in the mezzanine, which was like two floors away from the adult service, the big service. And so the kids were in there. I remember our kids pastor used to challenge us, let's get so radical worshiping Jesus that the adults will hear us in the big maybe center. Let's make so much noise from the mezzanine. And we used to do that. And adults would come in after service and they'd go, you guys are making too much noise. And we'd be like, yes, it worked. But what if we turn the tables this morning? 
I think the kids are somewhere on the third floor above that screen. What if we got so loud that the next generation said, what's happening downstairs? I want to follow my parents, my grandparents, my big brother, my big sister. They just got loud. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise you, Jesus! We worship you, Lord! We worship you, Lord! There's power. There's power in your praise. There's power in your worship. Lord, I just pray right now for all of us in this room where there's been heaviness, where there's been despair, where there's been complacency. God, where there's been even just a a, a fear of man and afraid, trying to win everybody's approval. God, that this morning you're lifting off insecurities. You're lifting off worries. You're lifting off depression. You're lifting off shame. Where someone walked in who just sinned really, really bad, that this morning as they fix their eyes on Jesus, Jehovah Sidkenu, righteousness is being restored back into their life. As they fix their eyes on Jesus peace is coming back into their life as they fix their eyes on Jesus Jehovah Rapha their healer is coming to heal your heart to heal your mind to heal your marriage to heal your family Jesus Jesus
Today we're saying, Lord, from this day forward, we're going to hollow your name. We're going to worship your name. I'm only going to use your name to speak blessings over people. I will never use your name in vain again. God, where we've missed it, we repent. We repent. And God, we ask you to put a reverence in our mouths, a reverence in our hearts for the name of God. Lord, that we defend that name. Lord, that we worship your name above every name. And God, that in you, Lord, we find identity, we find authority, we find purpose, we find salvation. There is salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. There's healing in no other name but the name of Jesus. There's deliverance this morning in no other name but the name of Jesus. Jesus. 